Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford, Brandon Jones, Michael Palmer along with you. And on this episode, we're going to talk about personalized learning and recent pushback against Summit Learning, a uh, extension of CZI, which we've talked about before here on the podcast. But first and foremost, always like to check in. Brandon, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Um, I'm, I'm interested in uh, this topic here. Uh, there's two sides to everything, I think. Um, that's, what I've, that, that's my hot take this morning. Uh, both sides shall be heard, but I'm doing well. Thanks, Dan. Mike, yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, uh, as I mentioned to, to, to my two uh, colleagues here, my, my commute to the office today was not spectacularly uh, blissful. Uh, I tried to stay mindful through it. Uh, but, uh, but I'm happy to be here and, uh, and, and you're going to notice my affect lighten throughout the course. Of I think this. we, we need the affectometer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, to, yeah. To he'll clean it up in post. Tra- right? Track it. Uh, the listen, uh, <laughs> listeners, listen to Mike, see if he, uh, yes. in, in fact, uh, pr- improves over the pod. Yes. Can you interpolate my blood pressure? <laughs> <laughs> so summit learning is uh, on their own website said to be a personalized learning approach to teaching and learning. It's a way for students to unlock the power within themselves to live fulfilled and successful lives. Mike, it's been in the news of late because out in Kansas, uh, some parents are teaching, uh, pushing back against the use of this platform in the classroom, uh, pointing to what's been deemed zombie kids, quote unquote, uh, that kids are simply sitting in front of laptops. They're not interacting with each other and not interacting with their teachers. Um, as Brenton said, probably two sides to this story, uh, maybe uh, not the best implementation there in Kansas, but also some issues with the content and the structure itself. Overall, though, uh, reading these articles, New York Times has one. What's your impression of the overarching themes here, and how do you see this story playing out over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it does tie to a lot of the topics we talked about in our March Madness. Uh, like, you know, if you think about screenlessness in particular, uh, you know, and uh, like that's a theme that we've been covering for a while is like how are, how are screens in the classroom. The other thing that's really interesting, I think, is now how is uh, big ed tech in the classroom? And then uh, how does that then relate to the level of trust that parents have around ed tech having access to their children's data? Um, so I think, that's, I think that's where a good amount of the backlash is, at least the framing here too around Kansas versus Silicon Valley, uh, where you know, parents of kids in Kansas are at least characterized here as saying like this big Silicon Valley company is coming in and changing how they teach our kids. And uh, who knows whether it's better. And I think at the same time, there's a general uh, malaise and like mistrust around um, a lot of these big technology companies. Uh, And then a related topic uh, we were talking about uh, as we opened is, uh, you know, Salesforce now just acquired uh, sales, Salesforce EDU, which was a, uh, a company that was selling Salesforce into, um, into K-12 uh, and other educational spaces. I think it's just interesting to see big, t- uh, big ed tech companies moving into, uh, you know, K-12, you know, high school education, and then how quickly that's also resulting in a what appears to be a pretty serious backlash, uh, kind of at the grassroots level from parents and kids. So, uh, so I think there's a lot in there. A lot to discuss and uh, also the idea of students activation and students protesting in a way here we've seen uh, across uh, different campuses and schools throughout the country for different topics, something we can talk about as well. Now, Brandon, do you see a difference here between 
the district or the statewide implementation of something like Summit Learning compared to a teacher bringing technology into the classroom? Do you see a difference in how that might influence teacher reaction, parent reaction, and the overall you know, student experience? Yeah, I think that that's, that's very different. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily better or worse. It's just different, right? So, you know, the, in, a, in a district or building-wide adoption of something like Summit Learning, every student for much of the day is spending time on a computer um, and, you know, working ostensibly at the material, on the material that is right for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's good on paper, including like white papers about um, you know how how learning actually works and you know zone of proximal development, et cetera. Um, if it's a single teacher, you know that that dynamic of every classroom all day is different. So and that's that's the big difference. I mean, obviously, a teacher. If it's a, a teacher, then presumably that teacher is bought in and um, you know may. Um, uh, be more motivated to make the program work than in the uh, district-wide uh, adoption of it. Um, so yeah, I I, I think uh, I think it is different. I, just a couple other things that you know I was thinking about um, in in looking at this article. You know, first you, you talk about protests uh, I, in this uh, New York Times article. Anyway, the um, there was a sign, uh, homemade sign outside a house in Kansas. Here, stomachs are churning with Summit Learning. I thought that was pretty good. Um, you know, my, my take on this is that a lot of things don't work, like uh, just in, in K-12, mm-hmm. right? So this may not be working. This Panaceas rarely are, right? So like this is not working as maybe it might have been hoped to. Um, and, uh, you know, if this were something that was really a just sort of just add water kind of thing, you know, just add summit learning and then everyone's test scores go up and all the students are happy and successful, mm-hmm. then I don't think parents would be protesting it, right, or, or students. But it's, it's just hard. It's hard to, uh, I think, be a kid. It's hard to be a teacher. It's hard to be a, a school. It's hard to, you know, to, to meet all the needs that you have with the funds that you've got. Yep. Um, and so... That that is maybe like just a too reductive and obvious statement, but in that environment where just not lots lots of things just don't work, this has the the added problem of the zombification yes. of kids, right? Yes. So when the you know, there talks about a student who has uh, been having seizures as a result, so there's like actually students with disabilities who who are impacted by this in different ways, right, but. Right. Um, it's also like, what did you do today? Oh, I sat on a computer all day. It's, it sounds like, you know, and I'm uh, betraying my, my age a little here, but it sounds like let's add some computers to study hall It's com- right. and, and see what level of engagement our kids actually get in that experience. And I think the answer is not a lot. Right. I think that if it were the perfect system, right, where you had super engaged parents and you had these children who were activated yep. learners since they were three or four, like you, sure. you probably could have different results, but in a big school district, yep. you got big school district problems. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, some, I would, I would argue is the last thing I'll say on this particular point. I, I, I would argue that summit has to way over deliver what a sure. less technology based comparable would need to do. Mm-hmm to satisfy the demands of sort of the parent community because it just, it, it feels different and it feels um, 
sort of disconnected from uh, one, uh, presumably all these parents, their own K-12 education. And two, like you feel like you're being isolated from other students. So if it were performing comparably well or a little bit better, I I think it like it doesn't clear the Mm -hmm. sort of activation threshold um, to get out of the the sort of – uh, the system of discontent. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I think that's right. Uh, with the exception of uh, where Dan was going, I think is also uh, an interesting uh, angle on this. Where if summit learning is sort of this disembodied entity that then results in sort of disengagement in the classroom, and there isn't buy-in from the educators who are delivering the curriculum, I think that that can make it even. Uh, Right. feel more like it's being uh foisted yeah uh upon i just like the word foist for sure too but yeah. uh but like but if there's buy-in which is also like you know then if the state is adopting uh you know a, a bigger solution that's being implemented statewide how much buy-in do they have at the the local district level around that thing as opposed to like an ed tech influencer uh you know a, a passionate gra- grassroots kind of I love Summit Education, I wanna bring it to my school. I think generally for that to sort of come from a bottom-up effort, there's probably gonna be more community buy-in and more sort of engagement in the delivery. So, so I think there's, a, there's an added problem with the way Summit is thinking about the transformation of the, the classroom that uh, I think could very easily turn it into like a glorified study hall because you kind of, if Summit's pitch, and I, again, I, I don't know with, with what level of depth, uh, you know, I can actually speak here, but I don't know how much their, uh, their pitch is actually about how this is empowering educators. Like it doesn't, it feels more like the personalization is student and online, as opposed to we're empowering educators to deliver more compelling instruction to their students. And like that, that I think is where more of the and it, this may be like a low information uh, take on it, but like that is sort of the way I, I think I would feel if I were in Kansas and I was concerned about the, the level to which my kid's drifting. Because also you're worried about your kid playing Fortnite all night, you know, and then they, they're, going to work, they're going to school and they're kind of how closely monitored are they? And then, you know, whose data is that? Like I think a lot of those sort of Vox Populi sentiments are are why this is sort of bubbling up to uh relatively high high level of press attention from like new york times and others yeah all, all that uh yes and i, I think um ostensibly again this is like, like in a perfect system mm-hmm. this per- this system may be more perfect right it does enable teachers to instead of teaching to the middle right right and you know sort of um you know, obviously there's differentiated instruction and not, and, and good teachers aren't just, you know, sort of stage on the stage, sure, yeah. um, uh, lecturing to students, but there still is a lot of that in a For lot sure. of classrooms. Yep. And in theory, this allows teachers to go and you know, walk around and monitor individual students and their progress. Guide and, on the side, baby. Guide on the side. Right. So like, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think Summit probably actually does pitch part of the pitch is that this is enabling educators it's empowering educators right right um i think that there's you know to the question that dan asked that you're picking back up on um i mean it's it's part of the model and i'm i'm in the same i have the same level of education never never stopped us before yeah but uh (laughs) if if the summit program really needs sort of at least building wide adoption for it to work i'm making air quotes here yep 
Um, meaning that it's like in every classroom for much of the time students are using it. Like if it were just adopted in one class, yep. maybe that wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. But if it, if it were true that it would need to be adopted in every class for it to work, like the, every class versus one class dynamic, I think is actually a big part of the problem. Like if yep. you were, you know, having one of your classes where you had this experience where you're working on, you know, whether it's Khan Academy or if you were working on Summit Program or whatever it is, right. Um, versus your whole school day is now sort of converted into this new mode. Right, right. It, it may be like a, uh, a model problem that's sort of priced in to, uh, to, to the model actually implemented with Fidelity. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, because, and it's also like, uh, you know, bottom up or top down is another way that I would think about it too. Like, you know, I think what you're, what's surfacing here is more of like a grassroots bottom up reaction to more of a top down implementation. And if it's top down, uh, online education, top-down online learning, even if it's under the sort of the, the penumbra of uh, personalization. Also, that was the name of my third album. <laughs> That's good. But, uh, but if, but if it's, it's being rolled out like as personalized, uh, but when in, uh, there was another article in EdSearch, I think it was an op-ed, talking about how rather than calling it personalization, we should call it humanization. I thought that was really interesting because like lots of times personalization almost i i think the challenge is personalization can start to speak towards isolation where like you're learning right. in isolation and i think humanization is like we're understanding you as a human and then we're trying to deliver your education in a human context it could be the same technology but i think the positioning and the language leadership i'll have to dig up uh, while we're talking uh, the author of that uh article or whoever was was coining that because i you know i don't want to uh be get a cryptomnesia yeah. about this. I want to, I want to give, credit. you're on the record as saying you read this. So like, I, I, if, I scan, if in like I, a month, you're going to be talking about, you know, I might of... have TLDR'd it, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm not going to say it was my own idea, but I, but I do think the personalization almost seems uh, dehumanized at times. Yep. Sort of like the Borg will educate our uh, offspring. And I think if instead you're talking about humanizing, uh, and you know, personalizing and humanizing at the same time. Because I think humanizing almost, you start to lose the actual meaning of personalization, which is more like tailoring to the individual. Um, but I did like where, where they were trying to go there, where like, you know, in an odd way, personalization is almost, um, for that to be isolating, um, in some ways can be, uh, you know, defeating the purpose if we want to educate a workforce who knows how to work well with others and has like, high EQ, good empathy, all those kinds of things. So, it, you know, it's probably a little bit of a both end, right? Like, so these types of tools, uh, I have no problem with these types of tools. I think they're great. I just think they're tools. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, you know, like they're, the tools themselves are not enough. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I and, and, then, totally and then if it's rolled out as sort of, you know, we got some, it's the same, it's kind of like the Amazon backlash in New York. You know, it's a similar idea. It's like, you know, we live here, you know, this is our, this is, right. this is where we live. This is, this is my school, this is my school district. You know, I want to at least have a voice in whether we use this thing. And then if you don't really have a lot of ways to change the adoption, once it's adopted, you are going to take to more like grassroots action. And, uh, and I think that's an interesting macro trend too, even like, I'm still thinking back to um, the, the Parkland generation uh, you know, kids solving last year, like the idea that kids also can become activated against this. Yes. Yeah. Cause like, I think that is a new, a new trend, which is going to make broad like ed tech adoption 
trickier. Like I, I, th I think the the summit educations of the world are going to have to be more, um, you know, sophisticated in how they get buy-in uh, for fear of getting bad PR and or like rejections, like what they had in Kansas. Well, yeah, it, it's it's hard. Um... And like, I, I realize that I'm running the risk of, of my contributions here just being like, man, it's hard. Yeah. But you know, I, I think a lot of the uh, changes that happen in school districts, again, as the, the son of a former superintendent, are necessarily top down. Mm -hmm. Like, I, 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 and I'm not um, uh, d d uh, disparaging grassroots efforts. I think that they are very powerful. But you know, like my dad, when he was a superintendent, um, built three new middle schools right. um, in uh, in the in Euclid, Ohio, um, and they're awesome. Like, I it was cool. I got to go around like wear the hard hat and like walk mm. through the construction site as it was being built. But yeah, that's the thing where he had to you know he had to raise money both from the city and then from the state. Yep, and um, you know it displaced some students. Sure, right. Uh, I think you know now this is five years later. Um, the, the school is, uh, is very happy the school, the, the school system, but there was, you know, there were people who felt like they didn't have a say. Right. And, um, that's not a decision that, that, that kind of decision. And maybe similarly, just back to the topic at hand is, uh, you know, a district wide implementation of something like yep. summit learning is something you, you just can only do one way. And that, that's going to have some of the problems that you were just citing. I just, I, I think that is again, sort of priced in to this kind of change. And that, that doesn't make it necessarily better. Yeah, I think, right. I think the point might be that that model may be flawed nowadays, I think is the other idea. So like, if, like it's a similar idea that's been coming up around uh, mobility and, uh, and uh, smart cars and smart cities. So like if you just drop self-driving cars into a city without actually getting buy-in and coordination with the city, it's going to cause more problems than it will solve. Like it needs to actually be, there needs to be by, for it to be purely thought of as top down, I think is the, is the, the, the problem that I don't see changing. Like, like you can't just be like, well, it sucks. You're in my district, you know, my way or the highway. Cause then people will go to the highway and your district, you know, I'm not saying your I'm not saying your dad was his bad superintendent, but what I'm saying is more like, I think, for someone to be a good superintendent or to manage at the district or the local level, they are engaged with the community and with the educators around whatever the, whether it's building a school or adopting summit or whatever. So like, and that's still a level that's more local than summit broadly rolling this out. Yeah. Know? Although I, I think, you know, in, in the example of summit here, I, I wouldn't assume that um, this guy's name is uh, Gordon Mohn, M-O-H-N. Um, I, I wouldn't assume that he didn't get engagement with the district. It's just that some of these things are, are, are binary. So like what you're, you're building a new school. You, and my dad, like, uh, believe me, spent a ton of time in the community. Like that's a big, if you're, if you're the job of a superintendent, as I said on this, on the show before is levying money, essentially, right. unfortunately, right. it's more about that than about uh, curriculum or, right. so there's a ton of time spent in the community. Let's say you're, you're super effective and you get up to a 70% um, support rate. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you've got 30% that feel right. like their, their interests weren't met. And so I, I, 
I don't have reason to believe otherwise that that uh, the superintendent here in McPherson, which is the, the the district in Kansas that's being profiled, didn't go do that work. Right. Um, but you know, it's again, it's the binary. Like you either build a new school or you don't. You either adopt. If this is true, you either adopt summit learning. Uh, yeah, that's or the part. You don't. I, I just think. I guess my point though is like uh, adopting ed tech in high schools is not the same as building buildings is my point. So like, I think it is more subtle and I think you can control the rollout. You can test it differently. You can also allow for some agency at the educator level, or you could choose not to adopt that technology. It's the same reason I have problems with the common core. It's like the idea that there is a uniform way to kind of make individual educators perform at their best. I just, on a, on a personal level, I, I don't always, think that that i don't think that allows for the it's more of a weak link problem in that scenario like you're basically trying to manage against the worst educational experiences it may do that but i but what i what i worry about is the disengagement from teachers who would actually be at a classroom level doing something more compelling um so that's where it's more the rollout like i actually and that's why i think ed tech is harder that's why like i'm not yeah. sure how quickly ed tech will successfully scale into like K, like high school education programs nationally. I think that's going to be, you're going to get a lot of pushback at the local level, even maybe at the superintendent level. Like I think the, my question is more whether Summit and some of the CCI work, is it too massive and not local enough? And then is this reflective of that? To, to Brandon's point before about buy-in and, and the like, and now Mike, to your point about rolling it out and understanding it, it looks like, you know, we deal with technology all the time and you roll it out and you, you uh, get something out to the world, right? For it to be tested and to be understood. Uh, this feels like we're in the early stages of it. So these students who individually may have bad experiences may be part of that rollout that gets learned from and, and makes it better in the future. That doesn't help those parents or those students, obviously, uh, but could be a way this comes to pass. Uh, the article from KWCH, which is a local Going radio local, station. baby. Uh, says that 10 students have transferred from McPherson schools due to Summit Learning, uh, but the uh, superintendent, Mon, as you said before, has said that next year students can opt out. So now students will be able to opt out of the program in the classroom if they so choose. That will be an intriguing number to track. How many students actually now choose to not do it? Kind of like uh, the MCAS tests up here. Students can opt out. It's just how many actually do it when it comes time to do the testing is always an intriguing number. The other question I have is, Brandon, it, is it too simplified to say if this was a local company, if this was a Kansas-based company, do you think buy-in would be easier? Is there a specter here of Facebook, of Zuckerman, of Silicon Valley that may be adding into the, the pushback against the technology, or do you feel it's just the, the, the actual implementation was not done quite properly? Yeah, I've, I've for sure. Um, that 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 specter of um, Silicon Valley coming into what do they know about Kansas, right? right. Like, and I think that's more than just a specter. I think that's a real thing. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think uh, it's it's a oh, chickens and eggs are probably not right. Although there's lots of those in Kansas, I would imagine. Sure. Um, and everywhere, uh, Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. A chicken grows in Brooklyn. Yeah. That's a great poem. It sure was. Um, you know, you kind of need scale. So, so uh, uh, CZI has given $99.1 million to Summit Learning. Yep. And, you know, presumably that is used in providing that the, the technology is free to districts. The, the right. hardware isn't, but the, 
you know, the, the technology is free, which is a huge sell. Like sure. this, the thing that districts, they got, they got less money and more problems. Right. right? right. So um, that's a, that's a big sell. And, and so you, I think it'd be hard for, you know, the Kansas uh, uh, institutes to, um, to, to pull this together. Right. So, but I, I, I definitely think that is a, that is a big, that is a big problem or a big, a big challenge. Mm-hmm. I think the, um, a question that I still have that's sort of lingering for me here is what if, and just play make believe for a second, what if the implementation of this program were to be 50 X as effective as some alternative, mm-hmm. but it were to take five years to get there where right. the educators who didn't like this self-selected out mm-hmm. and you were replaced by people who went there for a reason. And the families who were, you know, so violently against it, against this went to different districts or mm-hmm. to different buildings. Yep. Um, and in those five years, you had like really bad experiences for families and, and students is that worse? And I don't actually know that I don't have a strong opinion on this. Like yeah. I, I could be convinced that's either better or worse, right, but right. some of these things, I think the, the measurement of their effectiveness is well, over a really long period a, right. a period that's not going to be measured by any individual students, um, you know, uh, K-12 experience or right. certainly think- not for a two or three year period in a specific building. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you like get over that hump and say, actually school community it's going to be bad here for like the entire time your kid is in middle school. Yeah. But Brandon, isn't that the construction of a new school? Like it's happening here in town yeah. to be local. The high school needs to be rebuilt. So there's going to be a segment of students, three to four years of students who either are in trailers or are dealing with this yep. shuffle. And I don't know. It applies the same to technology to Mike's point. I don't know if it's an apple. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it does. I mean, and that, I mean, that just might be the, the takes. Cause I, I still think like I'm a, I'm a, an adherent to like agile I'm on the agile side of agile versus waterfall and that's in software development. So like if you basically say the only way we get this done is it's, you know, a five year development plan and then five years from now it'll be better. And then uh, just, you know, let's hold hands and, you know, we're in this together for the next five years. I generally am skeptical about those. That's types, how you build buildings. Though, those right? types. That is how you build buildings. But uh, software development has shown at least of late, that more effective software development adopts more agile practices. Although there is such a thing as water scrum fall, uh, which, uh, which is saying like, Hey, you need a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah. but, but, but I do, but I do think it's risky to over, to be like too rigid in the analogizing of physical to digital. Yeah. I, I'm not point. right. I, and I, your point is, uh, well made and understood. I'm just yeah. making it to dance so that he understands. <laughs> but like, it, it, again, and this is my make believe world like that. That is, there is a possibility sure. that for some district wide implementation to be effective, it needs to be both district wide and waterfall. Sure. And that that's not the only way maybe, but if there were something for which that was the only way, sure. you know, there would be, yeah, you have to be willing to let that go. Right. I think the thing, the a thing that this is an obvious statement too, but the thing is different between the building and the summit uh, implementation is at the end of five years, you can go and like touch that building and say, ah, this building exists, right? right. Like I know what I was waiting for. Right, right. You know, the, the learning delivered by this uh, uh, tech uh, system uh, imp- implementation is more ephemeral. Like you, you don't, you can't go and drive your car alongside it and say, 
okay, I see that all the, the, the foundation's been built. Uh, okay. Yeah. I see the, you know, the, the, the but, steel bars are going up. But it's also human mediated, right? So like the delivery of that successful intervention isn't just about the software. And that's why for me, like without understanding how the software will interact with the humans in the classroom. Right. And, and without being able to iterate and get, because like they should be your first adopters who are testing the adoption with you is more my point. And then what you're delivering five years from now is going to be very different. Hopefully, if you do it well, you know, you'll be much better five years from now than you are uh, when, when you release it. And then you also need to be, like at the district, at the classroom level, even local level, you need to be able to treat the, these types of decisions as reversible too. Because otherwise, if you say, nope, we're going to decide right now, five years, it's going to be bad, but five years, go with God. And then it's really bad. You need to understand, I, I, I'm always believing in the reversibility of decision-making as just good problem solving. So like if you can back out, you should be able to. And that means also when you roll it out, you want to just be somewhat circumspect about the rollout and be experimental, measure it as it goes. Because uh, there's a good chance that no intervention will be better than the change. And you don't want to be overly wedded to like a five-year contract to deliver this program without much ability to vary from the way they thought it should be implemented. I think that's destined for failure because the world will be very different in five years. Um, but um, yeah, it's an interesting, uh, like, I don't, I don't know if we, uh, I think it's just interesting, right? I don't know that there are answers quite yet, uh, but we'll track this story, track technology in the classroom, obviously, here on Trending in Education as the time goes on. If you see anything while you're listening to this, you want to share it with us, uh, share it over on Twitter, at Trending in Ed, same on Facebook, or trendinginteducation.com. We're with you every Tuesday morning with our regular episodes. We have extras released at the end of each week as well, right now focusing on The Citadel, uh, which is our take on Game of Thrones. That's released at the end of each week. Thanks so much for listening. As always, let us know what you like and what you want to hear more of right here on Trending in Education.